Hello and welcome to Pastor Well. I'm Herschel York, Dean of the School of Theology at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. I'm also pastor of the Buck Run Baptist Church in Frankfurt. Pastor Well is a podcast dedicated to helping servants of the Lord be faithful in ministry, especially those called into pastoral ministry. We do that by talking about subjects that are relevant to the way we lead. And today, I'm answering a question I've been asked a lot. What is more biblical, a pastor-led model of church polity or an elder-led model? Well, this is a great question, and there's a lot of discussion about this. Remember, I'm a professor at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. Baptists are convictionally congregational. Therefore, we're not answering the question about elder rule. Elder rule is not a Baptist model because Baptists are congregational. We believe that churches are congregational in their government. But what's the best way to lead a congregational governed church? Is it through a single pastor or a group of pastors uh, called elders? Well, the answer is really not as simple as you might suppose. First of all, let's just look at what the New Testament says. Baptists have always seen the three titles for the pastorate in the New Testament. That is uh, poimen, which is the word for pastor or shepherd. Episkopos, which is the word for translated bishop or overseer. And presbyteros, usually translated elder, as one office. So whether we're talking about a pastor, a, an overseer, or an elder, we really are talking about one office. And so to say that there's either a pastor-led or an elder-led church really in one sense is the same thing because they're the same office. It gets down to whether or not you believe in a single pastor who is leading maybe other pastors and the congregation, or do you see a group of pastors, a group of elders, all with an equal voice? Before I answer the question, you need also to know that I am convictional. Uh, I don't compromise my convictions for uh, convenience sake, but within my convictions, I'm a pragmatist. In other words, I am always saying, if you have what the Bible says, and the what the Bible says is clear in certain ways, but then within that framework of scriptural truth, you've got you've got some room to move. Then I'm going to ask the question: Well, what works best? And I really do believe that church polity, church governance, comes into that category. There's clearly doctrinal teaching, scriptural teaching but that it also leaves a little bit of wiggle room. For instance, uh, I believe that what is clear is that the churches in the New Testament have a leader and sometimes more than one leader, but you see clearly one dominant, I'm gonna say leader, for instance, in the church at Jerusalem. When the council at Jerusalem takes place, there's a lot of them discussing things, uh, but then James seems to be the leader. And James speaks and says, you know, here's the end of the matter, write down this. And the word goes out from James. Think about 
when Paul writes to the young Timothy, he's writing Timothy how to lead the church of God. He's not writing that to a group of elders. He's writing it to one. The same thing with the book of Titus. Even though Paul tells Titus to appoint elders in every city, the fact that he's telling Titus to do it means that he's invested this one man with certain authority to appoint others. So though there is clearly a plurality, you see the word elders used plurally. For instance, when Paul talks to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, it's not just one guy. There's a group of men from the church at Ephesus that come to see him on his journey, and he addresses them as elders. Uh, Peter, in 1 Peter 5, uh, says, I uh, who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and the glory that will be revealed to you, I write to you, elders, to shepherd the flock of God which is among you, exercising oversight. In that passage, Peter uses some form of all three of those words for the office of pastor. He's writing to a plural group, group of elders, but that doesn't really solve the issue because it's a group of churches. If you read the beginning of the epistle, Peter's writing to a group of churches scattered throughout that part of the world because of the persecution. And so we don't know that he's writing to a plural group of elders for each church or just all the different elders of the different churches. It's not real clear. In the book of Revelation, however, when you have Jesus addressing the letters to the seven churches through the apostle John, he speaks to the seven churches, which are the seven uh, lampstands, but then he holds also in his hand the seven stars of the seven churches, which he says are the, the angels or messengers of those churches. And the traditional most accepted view there is that those are the pastors of those seven churches. And in that case, you would have one key man serving as the pastor, the angel, if you would, the messenger of that church. So frankly, I believe that what works best in a congregational government is that you've got one key leader who is responsible as the pastor teacher to open the word and proclaim the word. Now, I don't think it's wrong for there to be a church where you have multiple men who share that duty. I don't think that's it's a matter of right and wrong. I do think it's a matter of pragmatism. I grew up, frankly, in the model in which a single man served as a pastor, and maybe he had other pastors around him uh, that served as staff and additional pastors, but he served as the key leader. He served as the one who, ser who was the pastor teacher. And the understanding is that he would stand before the Lord and answer for the direction of the church and the spiritual leadership of that church in a way greater than the others would. And just to be uh, candid, I would tell you that's 
the model that I've served with and in in the churches I've pastored and at Buck Run. We have a plurality of, of pastors. All of them are, I have, I think, seven pastors, uh, but there's no question I'm the key leader. How does that work? How does that function? A lot of times people ask the other guys, well, who holds Dr. York accountable? And the answer to that question is everybody. Uh, I meet with our deacons uh, monthly, and I give a report to them. They're not my bosses, but they're definitely key men in the church, and uh, I've learned to trust them as they trust me. I run stuff by them as I have with our other pastors. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm the spiritual leader, but frankly, I don't do anything autocratically. If I can't build a consensus with my other pastors, I don't think I would move forward with that with anything. There's no scenario in which my other pastors say, oh, we don't think that's a good idea. And I would say, well, I don't care. Here's what we're going to do. That, that just doesn't happen. And I think it's a good model. It's not to say that a plurality of elders in which each of them have an equal say is a bad model. I, Again, my personal both preference and uh, belief is that what is most pragmatic, what works best is when you have a key leader that influences others and has a significant amount of authority but not autocratic authority. Now, Sometimes people object. They say, well, it's just easy for, in that kind of a polity, for a pastor to fail morally or doesn't have accountability. I'm just going to say I've been doing this a long time, and I don't think there are any shortcuts around depravity. Uh, I think I see failures in churches that have plurality of elders at about the same rate. I see failures in churches where you have a key leader kind of pastor. Uh, we all need accountability. We all need to be able to explain ourselves and why we make the decisions we make. But I, I do think what you see in scripture is that key leader, the pastor teacher, the, the, the star in the hand of Jesus, if you will, the messenger of the church, as you see in the book of Revelation, and that he has such a key role. I think Frankly, when people start coming to a church, uh, it's harder for them to identify with multiple voices in the pulpit than it is one key leader. And in the churches that I see that do even uh, elder-led model of polity well, I still think you see one key leader. I, as a very young preacher, I'm gonna say I was about 28, 29, I was in the room one time when Adrian Rogers and John MacArthur were having this debate, friendly debate between the two of them, Adrian representing the key leader model and John MacArthur representing an elder-led model. And John MacArthur was trying to convince Adrian that he should have a plurality of elders. Adrian argued that he did, that all of the pastors on his staff were elders they all met the qualifications of pastor. Uh, and MacArthur pushed a little bit. He said, yeah, but that's not the same. And Adrian said, now, John, are you telling me that there's something in that church that you want to do and it does not happen? 
And MacArthur just sort of grinned at that. Uh, It was a telling moment because what you saw there, uh, what I observed, was two very, very strong leaders, both of them claiming to be in a little bit different kind of polity, and yet both of them clearly the leaders in their churches. And so this is really what I'm saying is I think that a man of God who lives according to the biblical qualifications uh, and that he is transparent in his leadership, certainly not afraid to share his reasoning and uh, the, the basis of his leadership with other pastors, but he is the person who week in and week out stands before the congregation with the Bible open, teaching them the word of God. I think he's going to have just more trust and clout. I don't care how many elders you put around him, people are listening to that shepherd's voice, that under shepherd's voice, and they're following him. So I think it's healthy for there to be transparency, for there to be accountability. But I think whoever is opening the word of God and teaching the word of God is the person who's going to have the leadership credibility in that church. I will say this, uh, I, I think that whoever you put in that role, if you call a person an elder or a pastor, I think they should meet all the qualifications of being an elder or a pastor. That means the moral ones, the ones, uh, the qualifications of being uh, a fit teacher, the qualifications of their home being what it ought to be, whether it's the person standing up there in front of the congregation or anyone else. If you use the title, they should have the function, they should meet the qualifications and the requirements. And uh, I think we've got a lot of a lot of leeway, frankly, in the New Testament. There's no one model uh, that we have to follow. And I do think some of this is cultural, but it has to be biblical. What do we actually see in the Bible? And we want to emulate that. We want to be accountable. And we certainly want to be godly in all of our fulfillment of it. It's a real challenge, but uh, whatever our role, whether we're the teaching pastor or in some other role in the church, if we're called a pastor, we need to meet all the qualifications and we need to do it uh, with the anointing and power of the Holy Spirit. And when we do that, we will pastor well.